How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Podbean, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, a little bit of feedback, and uh, like always, share these things, man. That's how it gets out there and gets to new listeners, and uh, this thing just continues to grow. This week has been a record week. It's been a Really amazing, and I'm I'm happy to see it. I finally have made it to another day off so I can get back out in the shop and do some more work and quit going to my, my real job, the 9 to 5. So definitely happy about that. Um, we're, you know, I announced the call, call maker contest here the other day. I talked about it on the last couple episodes. There's a pin post under BTBN on Facebook. And uh, it kind of has all the rules and the explanations of everything. And it's going to be a really a really fun time. It's kind of a, a crazy idea. And we'll see what comes of it and what people think of it. I've gotten a ton of feedback over, uh, you know, what guys think. And, man, it's just been uh, really, really positive so far. So I'm excited to get it started. Sign-ups are going to be Friday, August. What is today? Come on now, August, I'm doing this live, I'm not going to re-record it, August 7th, Friday, August 7th is when we're going to have this thing open for sign-ups, and then uh, I'm going to announce the first two head-to-head matchups of four callers on that next Monday, and uh, it's going to be done by random number generator drawing, every call call maker is going to have a number, and I'm just going to do four of them. And it'll be head-to-head, and they'll find out what wood they're going to use to make calls. And, uh, yeah, they'll have a couple weeks to get them done, and we'll be good to go. So uh, it's definitely really exciting. If you're not following along with us, jump on Instagram, Facebook, look up uh, BTBN, and uh, make sure you follow us on there. Jump on the, uh, the podcast group. It's BTBN Podcast. Jump in there. You can always... Exchange ideas, hit me up. Um, man, I'm just getting all sorts of information from different guys of who I should talk to, who I need to get a hold of, bring on here, different callers. It's so cool uh, to see, and it's a lot of it's being done through private messaging. So uh, jump in there and do it on that podcast group because between calls, podcasts, regular messages, hunting, it just it's hard not to get lost in there. So do it on the podcast group because it's a lot easier for me to keep track of. Um, yeah. Anyway, today I have a, a guy making his his second stint on the podcast, and uh, he was on one of the very, very early ones. I think our next episode is going to be 50. I believe this is 49. So the next one's going to be 50, and I think he was way back in the uh, single-digit days. So uh, I'm excited to bring him back on. He is taking off like crazy with his calls. He is just killing it right now. He does some retriever stuff. So yeah, glad to have him back on. Without any further ado, Mr. Colton Thompson.
Colton, how are we doing, my man? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Dude, you have been a madman staying busy since the last time we talked. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't, I've kind of always been a busybody, so uh, I used to, you know, I'm always used to doing something, so I figured if I'm going to do something, make, make a little money out of it. That way my hobbies don't just get consume funds that live. Yeah, generate, generate and kind of keep doing those. I've learned, I've learned how to do that at least. So that's been, that's been nice. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it seems like you, dude, you turn more calls in a week than I feel like I do a month half the time. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it, it wasn't like that for, uh, first good bit. I finally got in the rhythm and got a few new tools that'll help me go a little bit quicker. And, uh, so I, I, try to do the same thing every time so I can kind of get it in a rhythm. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, just trying to get in the swing of things. Sometimes, you know, they don't always go right. You know that. But uh, yeah, so, sometimes I just get lucky and hit a streak, I think. so. <laughs> Are you still uh, – you were working from home last time we talked. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah. I, we were working from home. We didn't – that was short-lived for us because – a lot of our work is quote unquote classified, so it's kind of hard for them to justify what we're doing at home because we don't have a red wire running to the house. So they were kind enough to uh, open up some spots for us to go back to work while everybody else sat at the house and worked from home. So, uh, but yeah, it's a, you know, I'm not complaining though. I mean, it's a it's a blessing to be able to still have a job. I know a lot of people are not that. Man, you cut out really bad. Oh no, I'm sorry. Let no, me. Uh, you're good. Let me see if I can uh, find a better spot. I, there is no reception at my house except um, maybe that window. That's about fifty percent of my house. And, uh, that's one of the perks of living out in the middle of nowhere. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll recap. I was saying I, I was on. Uh, I was working from home, but uh, that was kind of short-lived because a lot of our work's classified, so they carved out a place for us to go back to work, um, and so we've kind of been kind of been back at work for a while now, so uh, yeah, it's not been too bad, though. No complaints. Happy to be employed. Yeah, no joke, man. It's uh, Has it been weird going from you know staying at home and working with the dogs and working on calls to getting back out there and getting back on the uh you know on the job site yeah it's not you know that's kind of what i've done for a long time now uh well the calls are kind of a new addition but i've been doing dogs for a while so it really what really wasn't anything out of cadence uh it was just uh i kind of missed being able to leisurely come out here and, and work dogs and not have to rush home and um you know, try to get everything, all, my, all the training stuff ready and then go train. So it, I, I miss that part of it, not having to rush and, uh, you know, just kind of be able to walk outside and do what we need to do that day and not have to rush through things. So, yeah, it's um, that part of this for sure. Man, we talked about, uh, you know, dogs a little bit in the last one, but I didn't realize, you know, I knew that you were super into dogs and uh, that was something that you really enjoyed. I didn't... I don't remember. I didn't listen to our first episode today like I, I wanted to. But um, 
I didn't remember you saying that you you ran a kennel. Are you doing like are you taking other clients' dogs and stuff like that, or are they all your personal? Yeah. So this uh, so this year's just been my personal dogs. I've been buying uh, uh, kind of my breeding stock and getting that ready uh, this year. So I kind of chose not to take in uh, client dogs, which really kind of worked out with all this corona stuff hitting because i know a lot of people and a lot of kennels a lot of guys i know they've kind of been impacted that way follow on some of the facebook groups a lot of guys are kind of going out of uh not necessarily out of business but having to liquidate some stuff just to kind of went by uh so um, i've kind of been buying which is kind of been nice you know things have been cheaper uh than they normally would but but yeah i've, I've kind of been in a uh, prepping phase over um over the past couple of years, uh, kind of getting ready to do this. I, I've been saying I was going to do it for, you know, a few years, and I finally decided just to make the jump and uh, kind of get everything going. Nice, man. So are you going to be focused on doing breeding, or are you going to be, uh, like, taking on client dogs in the future, or are you going to do, like, yeah. a mixture of both? Yeah, so the plan is to do a little bit of both. I really love the breeding part of of the dogs and that really is cool to me uh the genetic side of it is what kind of piques my interest really um and so i want to i really want to focus on the genetics and the breeding kind of build a you know build a bloodline myself and uh really focus on that but the training part comes in because you know you kind of have to evaluate your genetics and see what's going on so i want i want to do both and i love training dogs too i mean i mean that's probably one of the most fun things that you can do is go take your dog out and go on your dog so um i mean there be you know it's frustrating some days but you know for the most part it's 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 pretty fun and uh so my goal is to keep it you know i, I know everybody says at the beginning but you know, keep it relatively small and have you know, have my breeding stock and then also have my client dogs in. I mean, the ultimate goal would be to just train the dogs that I breed so that I can kind of focus on, focus on my, you know, the dogs that I've, uh, you know, I've bred at my place. So that's kind of my goal, immediate goal right now. But, you know, things, uh, things definitely change as you go through. So, um, but yeah, that's my initial, that's my initial plan. Is that similar to what uh, Barton Ramsey does, where he he has his dogs that you know he's bred right there at the facility and he trains them there? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so Southern Oak does. They do a lot of uh, you know they're a lot bigger scale, but they are they're bigger scale. Uh, kind of have that small kennel feel because Barton has uh, you know kind of outsourced a lot with his outposts, which is a really smart thing to do that keeps your you know, you can still have large numbers to, to breed from and have a breeding program, which is kind of what you need to have a successful breeding program is the quantity of dogs. But instead of keeping them all in one place, you know, he's able to uh, alleviate some of that pressure and have them at, you know, different outposts. That was, you know, in my mind, that's an intelligent way to do it without having, you know, you know, 60, 70, 80 dogs in a run at one place where, you know, you can move those dogs around and have them spread out you know, all over the country and, you know, potentially reach more clients. And it's overall, uh, you know, better for the dogs, a lot less stressful that way as well. So, yeah, so yeah, he's, yeah I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a fantastic way that he's kind of figured that out. It's very, very smart. Well, I like that spread out idea as well because, you know, I'm just a, a normal guy and I'm sure like 99% of hunters out there, if they're wanting to get a dog, 
you know, you have the guys that are real serious. They're going to travel wherever. If it's the right bloodline, you know, they're going to travel wherever to get a dog. But 99% of guys are probably looking for something within like a five to six hour drive of them. <laughs> so him being a little bit more spread out, like I'm sure definitely helps out with like that type of aspect. Yeah, it definitely does. And it's, uh, you know, it, you know, Wild Rose has done that for a long time, and it's not really a, you know, it's not a new concept. There's a lot of uh, American uh, field trial line guys that do it as well. Um, you know, have different places, different kind of satellite locations. But it seems like you see it a lot with the um, with the imported line dogs. So it's it's kind of it's a good idea. It's a cool concept, and I like it. Um, I like I said, I think I think about it in in respect to the you know, to the dogs that are in that kennel and are being used, you know, that's a lot less stressful for them. And they have, uh, you know, they, they're not as crowded and they don't have as many dogs in one spot because, you know, you got, you've got 60 or 80 dogs in a kennel, man. That's, that's, that's really stressful on, on every dog in there, you know, cause you know, it's pretty tight quarters and you got some dogs in there that don't get along and some dogs that don't get enough attention. So, um, you know, it really takes, you know, it's a, really big team to run a kennel like that so spreading stuff out for me is uh that's a that's a fantastic idea <laughs> is that the uh not the necessarily the spreading stuff out like uh like that but is that the ultimate goal is uh to be a, a full-time call maker and like a kennel operator or, or are you planning on still working as long as you can well, I mean, it depends on who you ask, I reckon. <laughs> there's a few different people who have some varying opinions of that. Uh, I know there's one woman in particular that probably has a little more say-so than I do in it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about it. I mean, it's definitely came up. Um, you know, that, that would be, you know, I'm a big dreamer. So, yeah, that's the ultimate goal. But, you know, I... It, that's kind of what I'm shooting for, and you know, maybe I'll land somewhere else that's better. I don't know, but that would be the ideal thing. Uh, you know, to to maintain the the custom call feel and keep your quantity low and keep your quality high. Um, you know, you can balance that out with dogs and vice versa as well. You know, you can keep a low number of dogs and maintain your quality and have you know your your calls balance it out. Does that make sense? You know, you can. You don't have to sit here and crank out, you know, a thousand calls a year. You know, you can rely on your dog as well to generate some some income for you, and and you can do them both right. Um, so it kind of goes back to spreading it out a little bit. So yeah, I I get it, man. It's like the yeah. the same with this BTBN thing, man. I would love for that to be, you know, a part of my income, and then for calls to be a part of my income to where. I can quit getting up at four in the morning and going to bed at eleven o'clock at night and spending every day. You know, every I was at the gym today, and it seems like when I get most of my homework done and my Instagramming and all that nonsense that you have to do to promote stuff is like yeah. on the treadmill or in between sets. <laughs> like there is no stop, and yeah. I, it'd be awesome, you know, to eventually work to that goal. So I know that. Uh, you know, if you're motivated, like it seems like you are, that's something that could happen if you keep putting your nose to the grindstone, man. Man, I hope so. You know, we put about a lot and we just keep working. I mean, that's about the only two things that I need to do. Uh, you know, just work hard and keep praying. And that's, you know, at some point, you know, you have to have that kind of lucky break. That's the third ingredient in the recipe. So we're just kind of waiting for that to come along. We don't 
don't know when when or you know when it's going to be, but you know we'll figure it out some way. But you mentioned the um, the advertisement. You know, Travis Ward and I we talked a pretty good bit. And we were talking about that the other day, being on Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. You know, that it you know the, the easy part nowadays is making calls. It's not it, it you know that's 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 the easy part. You the real difficult part is figuring out is figuring out how to get your stuff out there and get it in front of the right audience. So, you know, the issue used to be just getting it out there. Well, now you have to get it in front of the right set of eyes and trying to crack that algorithm on social media is, you know, pretty difficult. And, uh, you know, I've had a hard time figuring out how to get, you know, I, I figured out how to get it out there by promoting stuff. But now I got to figure out how to get in front of the right people because, you know, I was getting, I think one time I promoted a post and I had like people from Australia looking at it, liking it, following me. I was like, well, that's cool. You know, I got guys from down under, uh, you know, taking a look. But I was like, that didn't really do any good. You know, I, I would like to kill guys that are kind of local and a lot closer. Man, do you, um, are you still there? Yeah. Okay, okay. I was making sure it didn't cut out. Um, oh, so you said promoting. Are you actually paying to run ads on Instagram and stuff like that? Or are you just doing it all organic? Yeah, well, I, I do a little bit of both because I kind of want to see what works best, and you know, through through hashtagging or you know or tagging people in particular or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I, I I try to do both just to kind of experiment and see. But yeah, I am paying for ads sometimes. Like I, you know, if I got thirty bucks, I'm like, oh, I'll just you know, I'll throw thirty bucks in there. Uh, we'll just you know run it for five days. I'll do stuff like that. I don't I don't dump in like thousands of dollars. Uh, like I said, that's a lot of money. So. Well, and it's like you said, man. I, I played with it a little bit, you know, back in the day when I started the BTBN page. And the likes I was getting were nonsense. It was like China and India. And, you know, I put specific categories and locations on where I wanted to advertise the post to. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I'm getting, you know, a way, way, way bigger reach organically you know, I was getting a hundred times the reach organically than I was getting from the paid part of the content. And I was like, this is, it's not a worth my time. But man, it seems like, you know, I always follow and kind of watch what other guys are doing. And it seems like you've been hitting the stories really, really hard. And I don't know if you saw on Instagram yesterday, they dropped that Reels, R-E-E-L-S. And if you look on your Instagram, it's that new creator tab. And it's yeah. supposed to be like Instagram's version of TikTok. And I think Instagram is going to push that algorithm first and foremost over anything. Kind of like Facebook Live was a couple years ago. How, yeah. Like anytime anybody jumped on Facebook Live, it popped up and sent you a notification. I think that Reels algorithm is the is the push for marketing. Huh. Yeah, I haven't even seen it yet. And uh, I'm kind of, you know, I didn't have... I had social media on and off for uh, probably in between like my last two years of college and and February of this year. So I was like, when I got on back on social media, I was trying to play catch up. I was like, wow, Facebook looks a lot different than when I remember it. <laughs> so you know, trying to keep up with date, up to date with all the new stuff is that's kind of been a little bit of learning curve. But you know, I mean, I, I've caught up with it now and I've got it. But I, I try to stay ahead and try to kind of I pick some of my. Uh, content creator buddies are mainly Austin. I don't have multiple ones. It's mainly just Austin. Um, but uh, you, we talk about it a lot too. And you talked about the stories thing. And that's a, 
that's a big thing. I know probably people will click through my stories and I'm like, why is this guy just like reposting all this stuff? Like, what does he have to do with it? Right. Well, it's it. What it does is it is it keeps your story kind of loaded with stuff for people to look at. And like, if you pick up your phone and uh, you look at your Instagram, most of the time people only click through like the first five stories because that's what they can see up at the top, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be that first picture up there every time. Yeah, you want to be in the first five because then you start getting, you know, people start seeing your stuff. Well, then when somebody else starts seeing it and then they go like it, well, Instagram's like, okay, well, people want to see this, so let's push it up to the top. And so that's kind of what it does. It keeps your, um, it's kind of like feeding your Instagram. It's like kind of like feeding a toddler. If you want to keep it growing, you have to keep on feeding it. So, well, see, um, and another little trick you can do is the, the mixed content. If you put, if you take a slide and you put a bunch of text on it, like and it's part of the story, say you have a picture of the call and then your next slide is like a little write up on it to yeah. where, like, don't set the timer to where it stays on there for 15 seconds or whatever. Keep the timer the standard time. Then they have to back tap to read that. And yeah. the more times that your story is back tapped, Instagram looks at it and they're like, hey, People are really, like, the more thumb touches you get, kind of think of it that way, the more time somebody's touching their screen to read your stuff, the higher it pushes your algorithm up. So, like, when you post yeah. a picture on your actual, uh, not the story, but on the feed, and say you have four different angles of a call and then a little write-up of the call, if you post that into the story and people can swipe right to keep moving the pictures, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. those more thumb taps. So Instagram is like, oh man, people are thumb tapping on here and staying on here longer. And yeah. if, if you post like a longer um, write up in the comments, you'll have to thumb mm-hmm. tap to expand the the uh, the hashtags and all that stuff. It's yeah. another thumb tap, and then people have to slow down their thumb to read your story because you can't, you know, read super fast. And right. uh, yeah. it's the more time that your picture's on there. So Instagram just keeps all those little things build up your ranking in the algorithm and it pushes everything higher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's almost like a game. Like you're trying to like win a game. And it's kind of, it's crazy, but it's pretty smart on their part. You know, that keeps people engaged in their app and keeps their business growing as well. So I can't blame them for doing it. So that's, you know, that's, it's pretty smart. But yeah, marketing and advertising, man, that's a... I didn't understand how crucial that was. Uh, you know, starting the dog stuff, it definitely opened my eyes. It's, but especially call stuff, it's, it's uh, man, it's so important. It's so vital. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's been hard, but it's fun once you learn it, once you figure it out. Yeah, man. It's, it's super tough. And like you were saying, you're trying to get um, your stuff in front of the right audience. Um, like a, one of the things that you can do is if you're tagging a location or something like that, you can pick a location near an area that you know has a lot of duck hunters. Yeah, I so, said you know that. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. So like you can pick Stuttgart and say right. that that's your tag. So anybody that's searching around Stuttgart now is going to see that. Right. And yeah. yeah, man. So it's like that's getting them in front smart. of there. Or you can go to like one of these major brands, like a Sigka or something like that, and you can look at the waterfowl posts, and you can jump on there and see who's liking and who's commenting on there. And if they're commenting on like a duck call type situation, 
those are the people I'm going to check out their profile and I'm going to start paying attention to them because that means that they're engaging. They're doing a lot more than just scrolling and clicking and stuff like that, but that means they're engaging. So those people, I might jump on their profile and start checking it out. And if they have some cool stuff, I might like a few of their pictures. Because what's the first thing that you do when you jump on your profile and you see this new person you've never seen before is liking all your stuff? Yeah, you go straight to their page. Yes, yeah. you check them yeah. out. So if they jump yeah. onto your page and you have some really sick stuff at the top of your top six pictures, then yeah. they're like, hey, I just checked out this profile. You know what? I might follow this guy. So that's a way to get you in front of the people that you want to see. It requires a million times more legwork because you're having to go through individual profiles that aren't private and you're yeah. trying to figure it out that way. And you don't want to do it like as a sleazeball, you know, because everybody's right. had that person on Facebook that adds you or on Instagram and they add you or send you a friend request or whatever, depending on which one you're using. And you accept them. You're like, all right, sure, whatever. I'll accept this person. And then two seconds later, they're like, hey, go like my page, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and you're yeah, like, that's, delete yeah. and block, you know? Yeah, I know. Man, that's so frustrating because, like, oh, man. Yeah, that's a, that's very frustrating to me. <laughs> it happens all the time. It seems like it's twice a day. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, you want to be friends? I'm like, yeah, sure. You like, you know, if you got like a duck hunt, if you got a duck on your profile or you like, you look like you're a duck hunter, or you got some kind of hunting picture, more than likely I'm going to be your friend. Like, you know, you're like, hey, you might post some pretty cool hunt pictures. And then automatically get, hey, why don't you go out my page? I'm like, oh, no, it was a trap. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's frustrating. But I can't blame them, though. I mean, you know, you got guys out there trying. So I, I get frustrated, but I understand where they're coming from, and I'm not mad about it. It's just like, it's just one of those things that like, keeps happening. You're like, gosh, I don't want to do this. And, so yeah, no, I give I give that a hard time, but I really don't I really don't mind. Yeah, it's it's one of the things. It's like they just don't know. It's yeah, you're trying to find a way to do it, and that's the thing is I'm not going to jump on somebody's profile and like every single picture and then comment nice picture, cool picture. Yeah. Like that's cornbally. But if you go through and you see them hunting a specific location or something like that, and you're like, oh, that's really cool, man. Like what? What type of setup are you using or, you know, I find this way works. And then if it's like a real comment, they're like, hey, man, this guy is actually putting, like, giving me information and giving me feedback. Then they come over to your account maybe. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just that I feel like the human interaction part of it is the biggest yeah. selling point. I think, the yeah. like, back in the day, it was creating the funnel. You want to get it in front of as many people as possible and then you want to narrow it down through like, okay, this person's interested. Okay, this person might be buying. Like, you know, and funnel it down to a sale. Nowadays, I think you're better off creating those small one-on-one -on -one relationships and really providing them like, um, you know, something that's worthwhile because then they tell their friends and they share it to their profile. Yeah. There was a, there. It was like last year. There was this Instagram Insta famous person or some nonsense that they had like 980,000 followers and uh, they launched like a t-shirt and like a clothing line or something like that. I think they ended up, it was like this big huge story a year or so ago. I think they ended up selling like less than 30 articles with almost a million followers. And it's like, oh, no. how the hell do you, you know, how the heck do you have a million followers and you can only sell 30 things? Well, that's because you went out there and you threw a super wide net, and just like you were saying, it wasn't the right audience. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because like, you know, I would. It'd be cool to have you know two million followers, but if they're all in you know China, India, Russia, uh, well, I don't know. Russia's got a lot of that kind of stuff. It seems like, but you know, if they're <laughs> if they're all over the world, um, you know, it really doesn't. You know, it doesn't do anything for you. Yeah, when you go to that profile, like, okay, that's cool. That guy's got two million followers. Like, he must be something, you know. But you know, at the same time, if you're not in front of the right people, um, you know, it's just. You know, it's not worth anything. And you touched on, on personability, you know, being, uh, let me know if I cut out because I'll start back over. But, no, you're good. Um, you're good. Okay, good. good. I, know, I know I have terrible reception where I'm at, but <laughs> uh, I promise I'm in the best spot. I'm on top of my roof now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, but you talked about personability, and, and that's kind of, I think, I think for, for me, and, I, and I'm making an observation here, here, and it's just a personal opinion, and it may just be where I'm at, because I'm in like, the, I'm in the heart of the South, so, you know, boutiques are a big thing where I'm at, especially for the women, but it seems like that boutique style of business um, is really kind of either making a comeback or kind of just really taking off, and I had a buddy of mine, uh, a tram buddy of mine, Jeremy Crisco, he, uh, he is the kennel manager for Blue Cypress Kennels, and he lives down the road, and we talked about this, talked about talked about it in the dog world too but it kind of it kind of leaches over into the call making as well like you know that custom boutique style feel that you get that like hey i can talk to you know like if i can call josh reggio or if i can call brad allen and talk to him on the phone about a call you know that's really cool and that that's going to sell you a call quicker than you know going to a you know walmart's page and buying whatever and so you know, that kind of boutique-style, personable feel is what a lot of people, I think, are going towards now. Um, do you, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, No, it's – I 100% agree. It's um, that mindset of I don't need to have 50,000 people like my page. I need to mm-hmm. sell 300 to 350 calls a year. You know, somebody that's looking at doing it full-time, 400, 500, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it takes to uh, live your life and – if, if I can get 500 people or even say 300, you know, 250, say if I get two, them to buy two calls a year, that means you only have to build a relationship with 250 people a year. And you know what? They might buy the next year. Like people are so worried about growing that and getting that fancy little K behind their Instagram followers. And I think, yeah. like you said, that small shop, that personal feel and you you brought up josh you know and josh dude he is so active he's one of the guys that has really got it nailed and always Uh seems to stay you know right on the cutting edge of all that stuff because he just like you said man he built the boutique style you know call company Uh and uh you know he he makes his own you know set thing and he goes out and does yeah. these crazy collabs and stuff like that. It's about keeping it cool and keeping it personal. Yeah, absolutely. And I and 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 you know, it makes me excited when I see people do stuff like that. I know, I know there's a lot of people that get upset for someone, you know, kind of being successful. And I hate to say that, but I do see that a lot of times. Like that makes me excited because what it tells me, I'm like, hey, there's an opportunity for me to do that. Um, and I could say that because I used to be one of those people until I, you know, matured out and understood that hey, just because someone else is being successful, that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing because that's an opportunity for you to do maybe something in the same thing, but maybe a little different, or maybe you have something totally different on your mind. You know, that's kind of you know we're in America, and that's like guess that's one of the 
you know, that's one of the great things about this place is it's just, you know, you have so much opportunity out there. And it took me a while to understand that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's such a neat thing. I think a lot of us take it for granted. And, you know, we get mad because somebody over here is able to do it full time. Well, you know, if, if they're able to do it full time, then, you know, uh, you know, you can do it too. Uh, that's, I, I hope, you know, um, you know, more people can understand that, you know, because it, it, but like I said, it, I was there before too. I was like, you know, I was mad because I wasn't able to do it for full time. Uh, you know, I'm still not doing full time, nowhere near that. But, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just, it, for me, it, I'm happy for those people now. And it took me a while to figure out how to, you know, why I should be happy for them, but it, it, it all kind of came around. Yeah, I get it, man. I think that's a, a very normal human emotion and like process. Because, like you said, you know, at first you're like, well, man, why the heck is that guy selling a lot more than I am? Like, I don't get it, you know? And you start looking. And then, you know, as you get older and you start realizing, and especially as you get to know guys, like, as they start to become friends, you're like, dude, that's awesome. I can't believe, you know, that freaking hell, uh, Brad, the other day, his, he, I think his episode was right after yours or right before yours. He's taken off really, really big too, dude. It's so awesome. The guys yeah. that I have these in-depth conversations with, like yourself, and then I see you guys just keep growing and growing. I'm just like, dude, that's so awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, and you just have to, you know, you just try to take a different outlook on things. And I, did, I hope that didn't come off as kind of bullheaded a little bit earlier about, you know, people not, I wouldn't call anybody out in particular, uh, you know, but I was saying that because I had been there before, you know, I'd, I'd been in that spot, so I wanted to make that clear, I didn't want to No, man, was, yeah, it, dude, you're such a nice guy that nobody would honestly think that at all, you're one of the nicest guys. Well, I hope guys, so, man. I mean, you know, it depends on who you ask, I'm sure there's somebody around there, uh, you know, probably somebody I've come across in my life, maybe if I hadn't had my cup of coffee in the morning or something, but, uh, <laughs> gets mad at me sometimes but well yeah (laughs) i was talking to josh and uh we were supposed to do a podcast earlier this on monday and we're actually going to do it tomorrow and i told him i talked to him earlier last week and he was like are you free monday and i was like yeah man i can absolutely do it monday let's do it then and then i hit him up on sunday and i was like dude it's actually my anniversary on monday i wasn't paying attention (laughs) and he was like Dude, do not piss off your girlfriend. And I was like, oh, don't worry, buddy. It's only, yeah. it's not if, it's when. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Nah, they're, they're good. They, uh, I'd say it's a pretty tall order to put up with some of the stuff that, yeah, especially call makers. I mean, call makers wives, you know, you got to think about it. I mean, there's a lot of call makers that stay out in the shop. I mean, I stay, I don't stay out in the shop as late as some guys do. And, you know, my wife still gets upset with me. You know, we've had to come to Jesus speak more than once about it. But, uh, you know, it, it, it takes a, you know, it takes a pretty good woman to stand behind a, you know, stand behind a guy, and, you know, with him being down here, you know, in the, into the late hours of the night, early hours of the morning. So kudos to the wives that, that tolerate it. Man, it is such a fine line to walk. And when I got back into it, I told my girlfriend and I said, hey, I have a very addictive personality when it comes to this stuff. I was like, I will get all in it and I will not pay attention and I will become completely absorbed with it. I just know myself and I know what I've done in the past. I was like, you have to set a timer on me and come out and tell me. Because if not, I will stay out there until 3 o'clock in the morning and get up and go to work at 5 and not think anything of it until it's too late. 
I was like, you just, when you're getting irritated, you have to come tell me. And that's the best policy is just to be open, upfront, and honest and be like, hey, let me know if this is starting to bother you because I'll have yeah. to, you know, I just have to quit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you can figure out how to get them to tell you, like, every time they're mad, I, let me know, too, because that would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to get her to do that. And she will sometimes, but, you know, it's, it's, they still, I think they still like to play games from time to time. So, <laughs> but I don't mind. It's, uh, it's fun. It keeps things interesting for sure. But oh. I give her a hard time. I give her a hard time. She's a she's she's good. She puts up with a lot more than she sh- than she should for sure. Puts up with a lot of wood chips around the house. I've had in past relationships. Yeah. You know, either you're like, do that age old thing of what's wrong, and they're like nothing. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. What's wrong? What's wrong? And they're like, yeah. you wouldn't understand. You're like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I'm. I'm. You know, when somebody tells me, hey, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. Sounds good. Uh, about it. And, I, and, I, and I still am to this day. I'm, I'm just like that. Somebody says, hey, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Now I go about my business. You know, of course, I've learned better. I've learned better now, you know, but, you know, you're supposed to cry a little bit. So uh, I, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm doing a little bit better. Man, I will get to the point where if there's something really wrong and you can tell, I will get to the point of annoying because I really want to know. I'm like, hey, what did I do? And uh, nothing, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, well, no, tell me what I did because, like, I, I at least want to know so that way I cannot screw up next time. And it's like, I don't know. I think it's showing that you care enough to really want to know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I'm no relationship yeah. expert whatsoever. Trust me. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's what? just that, that, hey, I do actually really care and I want to know if it's bothering you. Yeah, I'm the same way too. I mean, I, I, I generally like to, genuinely like to know so I can fix it. You know, this is kind of you know my personality. I, I don't like to mess up. Like I, I, I really don't. I, I, you know, I like to be not. I'm not a perfectionist, but I, I just don't like messing up. You know, it, 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 it gets it grounds my gear. So like, I like for people to tell me when I mess up. It's not gonna hurt my feelings. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I know what you mean. <laughs> Dude, I've had it in other podcasts, and I've told them uh, and on on other podcasts I've said it. And sometimes, you know, people will get upset with me or something, what I said. It's really hard to sit on here and talk for an hour every other night and not say something that's going to upset somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell them, I'm like, dude, I promise you, it was not intentional <laughs> to be upsetting <laughs> to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always think about I, I try, you know, before that. You know, before I did the first one, well, I'm like, this is my second podcast. Yes, yeah, first one I did with you. Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking in my head. I was like, all right, there's a couple things you don't need to say when we get on here. Just make sure you don't say those things. You should be fine. And you know, after we got off the podcast, I like went back to my, you know, my notes in my head. And I was like, okay, I didn't say those things. So we should be good. I didn't make any bad comments about my wife. So <laughs> we, we should be fine. You know, so uh, I've always, I found that it really helps. I anytime I say some stuff, I always preference it with, I'm an idiot. And I've done zero yeah. research because I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's not a bad way to do it, right? Yeah, I, 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 I'm the same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> well, brother, um, you got into. It seems like you're kind of becoming the old guy, you know, of uh, the of this current time period. If you know, if you've been watching calls for the last couple of years, six, seven years, there's always one guy who's uh who's cutting a lot of them at any given time and then there's the guys that do it all the time you know yeah. but uh it seems like you've been doing a lot of ults lately man 
Yeah, it, it wasn't intentional. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I know it kind of that kind of seems that, that kind of seems to be the theme uh, of call making for me. But uh, yeah, it wasn't intentional. I, honestly, I'll tell you what happened is I got a uh, I was scrolling through my story or not my story, but I was on my Facebook feed and a guy had posted like you know a minute before i had went scrolling and it said keyhole Ult for i think like 65 bucks and it was a hard rubber uh barrel um and uh hard rubber keyhole yeah and i was trying to think make sure and i was like well it looks like a pretty good deal I've, I've been wanting to cut one of these why not let's get one and so i got it and you know when i opened it up i was like i don't I don't know what these are supposed to look like. I was like, Comeward looks okay to me. And then, you know, then I blew it. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound very good. So what can we do to make this thing better? So, um, you know, I, I got the call and I started hacking on it. I mean, the first thing I did was like, I cut, I cut the front of the Comeward like way back. And I was like, hmm. I was like, well, it doesn't sound too bad. I was like, well, I guess we need to work on the, uh, you know, the profile of it or the radius of the Comeward now. So I went to filing on it and everything and, it just kind of, and I, you know, I popped the cord and read it. And I was like, that sounds pretty good. I said, that wasn't too hard either. It took me about 30 minutes. I said, uh, you know, I think we got something here. And then I, and I was looking at it. I was like, what can I do to make this thing like just look different? And I was like, well, I guess I could carve some feathers up there on the lip. And then I was like, I didn't look too bad. I was like, let's put a copper band on it and some cord. I was like, that looks pretty good too. And, uh, and I was like, uh, I think it looks pretty cool. Let's post a picture and see what everybody thinks. And then it was just like, I got, just an ungodly amount of, of messages like, Hey, can you cut my old? I was like, well, I mean, sure. I can try. Um, <laughs> I, said that. I mean, I mean, yeah, we'll give it a shot and you know, here we are. So, uh, hopefully that doesn't lose me some olds to cut. Hopefully people still trust me after that story. But, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, Devlin, I think Devlin was in the shop, uh, here. He's been the only one asked me and, I was expecting a lot more people to, but he was the only one that's asked me. We were sitting there working on his, and uh, he said, "He said, so how many did you cut?" And I think at the time I had cut two. So I looked at that tone board, and I kept filing. I looked up at him, I looked back down, and I was like, uh, "This is number two or three. And he was just like, "Oh, okay." And that was the first one. We hadn't cut one yet for him, so he was like, "Well, crap! I just brought this guy, uh, you know." A keyhole that I could have sent to you know somebody else. I was like, this guy's gonna end up screwing it up. But I could tell, I, I could see that look in his eyes, and so I was like, well, Colt, you better not screw it up now. So, uh, see, so yeah, I was kind of kind of funny. Uh, it's been it's been a little nerve wracking, but it's been it's been fun. I've enjoyed it, dude. It's super cool, and you know, like you said, you you added that little carving onto it and added some cord onto it. It's that's why I was drawn to your style. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw you post that first one and I was like, dude, that is, that is unique and that is something, I just knew it was going to be big because, uh-huh. you know, it just had that look and it was just different than every single other person doing, you know, aftermarket cut down cuts and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, this uh-huh. is, this is cool. It's unique. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to do something just a little, I mean, there's not much more that you can really do to them. I mean. I'm sure there's something that I that I'm not thinking of, but yeah, I mean, I was just trying to do just something just a little bit different, and I mean it. It's been fun, and I and honestly, you know, I really enjoy cutting all stuff. And I'm a cut down guy. I really love cut down calls. That's kind of been 
Uh, I've always been drawn to him. Uh, love the way they handle. Uh, just a good call. Uh, so, you know, for me to be able to cut on those, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, those ults carry a lot. I think a guy told me the other day, let me know if I cut out too. I, I haven't moved. So. No, you're still good, brother. Not uh, okay. once. All right, perfect. Um, I had a guy the other day, maybe last night, uh, he's like, man, that's a lot of heritage just passed through your hands. And I, like, you know, it kind of hit me at that point. I was like, man, there's no telling what these calls have seen, where these calls have been, uh, you know, how many ducks these calls have killed. And I was like, man, this is just, you know, it's just, just kind of cool. Kind of made me sit there for a second and be like, yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And you're kind of, you know, those barrels and, you know, I always sign the tunnels and the, and the, and the stopper to, uh, kind of put my initials on there. So it's kind of cool to think that, you know, they may not ever be hunted, but they'll at least be floating around there in the waterfowl world somewhere. So it's kind of cool to think you're, you know, kind of leaving your mark, uh, as you, as you kind of go through. And I, th- and I think that's what a lot of guys want to do in call making is just kind of leave a mark and kind of be a part of the story that waterfowl is. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's really, really neat to think about. Yeah, that's that's something I've said in a, a podcast before. Is it's you're kind of carving out your own little legacy, you know? Yeah. If you've ever been up to the Memphis, uh, you know, the pyramid and seen the the museum with all the old calls and stuff like that, and yeah, it's like, yeah. dude, I'm making calls right now. Like, maybe someday, you know, somebody might find one of these old clunker turds I've made 50 years from now and been like, oh man, look at this. This Chris Adams, it doesn't blow worth the crap, but dude, this thing is rare, you know. That yeah, absolutely, and and that would be a really cool thing. You know, we may never, we may not ever be around to see it, but you know, just just I think that opportunity. Um, that sounds like an echo from earlier in the conversation. You know, that opportunity for that to even happen, that chance that it may even happen. That's that's just cool, and that kind of keeps me going too, because you know, like I said, I'm a big dreamer, and I kind of. I've always done that, you know, growing up from a kid, I never did stop, never grew out of that, so, uh, yeah, it just kind of enamors me a little bit to think about, so. Well, and that's one of those things, man, I feel like that passion comes through in your artwork, in the way that you present yourself, and I think that's why you're doing really good, is because it's that right message, it, you know, Josh, like I said, he's mastered that message, and, uh, Mm -hmm. You know, there's been some other guys that have taken up that as well. And I think the storytelling style of call making is just, I think that's the way to go. And that's what I enjoy, maybe on a uh-huh. just a personal level, so I relate to it more. But I think that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I will stop and read a story. If I see like a, like a video that has like a storyline or it's got some kind of like underlying theme with it, man, I will stop and I'll just pour myself into it for however long it takes to read. I'm a slow reader, so it takes a little while. But yeah, that story, man, I am just obsessed with telling stories because you think about it, that's such a, that's something that like never goes away is storytelling. And that's, you know, as, as humans, we've always done that. As man, we've always done that. You know, it's always been, you know, storytelling and, you know, by word of mouth, that's always been a big thing. So, you know, it, it's kind of funny to see that that's been going on for centuries, but yet it's still going on now and it's still a big thing and it still has a big attraction, uh, you know, for people. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Man, it's it's good stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I always look for quotes 
like I'll go back and listen to the podcast and I'll look for quotes to you know make little mm-hmm. story messages out of to you know just keep yeah. promoting it. I think this yeah. one is just chock full of freaking quotes, man. Oh well, <laughs> there may be some funny ones in there. I don't know if there's any motivational ones, but we can, I'm sure we can dig out some funny ones. So. Oh, we, there's plenty of good ones in there, man. It's hard when you have two guys that are extremely romantic about call making. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, though. I mean, yeah, it's it's very intimate. You know, that word's kind of a weird word to use, but yeah, I mean, you can tell. I mean. Yeah, and we keep bringing up Josh, but I mean, Josh is a guy that you know. It's a, he's a very intimate call maker. I know that sounds very weird to say, but I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> and you know, to have that intimacy with you know, and be able to connect that with people uh, about call making. I mean, that's a, that's a that's a, that's just cool. I mean, that that's that's really neat how he did that. And so, um, you know, he he's kind of paved the way for for guys. Uh, or maybe not pave the way, but, you know, continue that for, um, you know, small shop guys to, you know, really uh, be able to tell a story and, and kind of continue the folk side of it, uh, the, kind of the art side of it. So, yeah, and, and of course, you make a good sound call, too. So that, <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> Man, you sent me a message a while back, and you were talking about dogs. So what what type of dogs are uh, are you mainly you know raising and looking to breed and stuff like that? Are you a British lab guy too? Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's kind of I've always I wouldn't say I've always been a a a imported line uh, guy, but that's kind of where that's kind of what I've always had. Uh, so I met my wife uh, in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, 2015. I'll get some brownie points. <laughs> yeah, you better remember that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometime in January. I'm, I don't know what the day was, but it was January 2015. So, uh, but yeah, so I met my wife, and uh, so dogs for me, I, I've always had a pretty, pretty good connection with animals. You know, I mean, I've just, I've always loved them, always had them. Uh, you know, the dogs that were kind of hard to deal with uh, growing up. You know, if we had neighbor's dog, it was kind of mean. I was always the one that the dog would come up to and you know, let me pet it and all that kind of stuff. So I was, you know, growing up, I just kind of always had that connection with animals and dogs in particular. Uh, so, uh, you know, I met my wife and that kind of really kicked things off for me because she's got epilepsy, uh, pretty severely. And, uh, thankfully we, you know, she hasn't had a seizure in, uh, I think six or seven years. So that's, that's been a, a really good thing, a blessing there. But at the time she had, uh, uh, her service dog Andy and he was her seizure alert dog so you know we got to talking and I you know when, when I first met my wife I was like okay this is a Labrador it's a lab I mean I, I had no idea that there was a difference in um, you know the American field trial lines versus you know your English show style or English show dogs and then you've got your field trial your imported field trial lines uh, so I had no idea what, what the differences were um, so I met my wife and I was like, "Oh, that's a cool lab." And she's like, "Yeah, he's a British lab." I was like, "Okay, what's that?" Um, I don't know what that is. And so, at that point, I started doing research, like I do, because I just like to read about stuff. And I was like, "All right, this is pretty cool. I like these dogs. I like what they're doing." Um, and so, it all kind of kicked off from there. Um, and maybe we can, maybe we can really deep dive on that. Uh, in another episode, but it all kind of started with my wife in 2015. So at that point is when the 
the dog bug kind of bit me and I've never looked back. Um, and as I, as I got more involved in dogs, I, I learned that my family on my dad's side, they were, they ran and bred walkers. That was a big thing growing up, uh, or back in that, back in that time period was raising and training, uh, walker coonhounds and so i was like okay so there's you know there's a dog gene in the family it looked like it skipped a few generations but it landed on me so um so yeah i mean it, i, I kind of would attribute my uh my my favoritism towards the imported line dogs to my wife so see i like the way that you you describe that i've never heard of the imported line um you know, I used to tell people all the time, you know, I was like, oh, I have a Brit. And they're like, oh, like a 110-pound, big old blocky-headed thing. And I'm like, no, that's in English. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's a Brit, and she's actually through Ireland. So I guess it's, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, import would be the best uh, way to say it. But, man, yeah, like yeah. I said, I love dogs, man. It's just, yeah, there's something yeah, about that- them. Yeah, for sure. And they make your life better. There's days that they make them frustrating, but they always make so, um, yeah, I, I say imported line because, you know, there are other, you know, um, there are other places that they do come from besides, you know, Britain. So, you know, you've got dogs coming from Scotland and the UK and even Denmark. And I just got a pup over from Hungary. So she wouldn't be a British lab, you know, like, yeah, I guess she could be a Hungarian lab maybe. Uh, but <laughs> maybe I just she's think, a Brit <laughs> with a green card. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, I always just say imported line because that's kind of a, uh, a broad scope of things. And it kind of fully encompasses the, you know, the British lab, the Scottish and Irish. And then also your, you know, dogs from Denmark and, um, and you know, other countries on the European continent. So I always say that. And then, then usually I say it through because I want people to ask questions because I like to answer the questions. So, you know, it kind of, you know, it usually like, oh, it's important. Line. Like, oh, well, let me tell you. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so then we end up having about a 30 minute conversation about dogs versus what they wanted to talk about. So, uh, so yeah, it usually works out pretty well. Do you, uh, do you find training the British, like, do you train in, like, the hands-off classical British style, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do, actually. I, I don't, um, I don't use a collar. Uh, that's kind of the big differentiating factor, but, uh, or at least I thought that was, but the, but really the whole concept behind their training and the way that they start dogs and the, and the, and the cadence that they go through to get their dogs to the finish level is a lot different as well, and it's not necessarily, um, you know, it's not necessarily a collar versus no collar. It's just a different um, way that pressure is applied and different ways of teaching the dog. Um, so, uh, you know, that, you know, the whole e-collar versus no e-collar argument, that's just a, you know, that's a big can of worms. And, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say one is better than the other, I always tell people that I choose not to because my personality and the way that my mind works fits and goes better with a, you know, a British style method versus a collar program that is over here. And and I, that's all I'll ever say. I will not ever say one's better than the other. I just have a preference and that's what I stick with. And we have pretty good results with, you know, training that way. Um, we got a, I've got a female who's got her HRCH uh, at, 20 months last year um and that was with 
you know, no e-collar. Um, so, you know, it, it can be done and you just have to kind of finagle your way and try to figure out how to run these tests over here um, and, you know, modify your training a little bit. And it, it's usually pretty seamless and pretty easy. Uh, you just have to kind of think outside the box a little bit. Well, it's like, you know, you were talking about building a relationship with customers, you know, through calls and different stuff like that. You have to build that relationship with the dog and learn, yeah. you know, when to apply their pressure, how much can they take and, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I was talking to a buddy of mine that trains. Uh, he actually is one of the guys at the outpost uh, for Southern Oak at Tanglefoot. And Corey and I were talking and uh, he said, you know, uh, you know, we talk a lot, and I, I'll call him if I've got problems with, you know, some of my younger dogs, which, you know, I have I still have problems all the time with them, and, you know, we talk, and, and you know, we try to problem solve together, and he runs, uh, you know, he'll do a lot of test setups, and he was having problems with some dogs, and I said, man, why don't you, uh, I said, I'll tell you what, I said, why don't you try training this way for a couple weeks and see how it does, uh, and I gave him some drills to do, and, uh, and he's like, and he called me back. I want to say like a week or two later. And I said, man, he said, man, he said, it's crazy. He said, these dogs are doing a lot different and a lot better. He's like, I'm spending more time with the dog. And that was the big thing. And I was like, yeah, you're going to spend a whole lot more time. Cause it's a lot more walking. It's a lot more, uh, you know, it's a lot more relationship focused, uh, than just getting the dog off the truck, bringing them to the line and running their marks and, and then, you know, sitting them out for the day, you know, versus what I do is I'll be, you know, I may walk a mile or two or three in a training session and that's a lot of time spent with that dog. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, a uh, it, it's, it's totally different. Um, and, it, and it's fun that way for me. So, uh, I enjoy it a lot. And a lot of things people don't think about too is, you know, the dogs over there were bred off of you know they're bred just like they are over here if the dog does well and this other dog does well you know let's put them together and let's breed them and that's kind of how it works right that's that's obvious but um you know we also take into consideration how they handle training methods and what they do going through those training methods so if you think about how genetics works, you know, if you keep selecting these dogs that take to a certain style of training and we see it over here, why wouldn't you think that the dogs over there that were bred that take to a certain style of training that handle that kind of training well, why wouldn't you think that, hey, maybe if I train these dogs that we've imported over here the way they train them over there, maybe they'll do a little bit better and maybe I can get them through some scenarios a little bit better by training that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, I relate it to, man, my my Brit was super, super hot. Like, she, you know, you'd put her on the mark and she just had fire coming out of her eyes, you know, shaking, yeah. wanting to do it. And it didn't matter how long you were working, how long you were doing drills. I mean, she just never once slows down never lost anything but she was very very like she didn't take anything you know you just told her to do something and she did it like um yeah she had no like fight in her system and uh i had you know the girlfriend has that five month old chocolate and uh man that dog she's very very smart picks up everything super quick but if it's not training time she is super super she's like a normal dog i mean she's just defiant like you know going through normal dog stuff and anytime 
she has a really big problem with biting as playing and it, and she's being trained like it's so weird because i know how to you know work dogs for you know general sense and you know a little bit of waterfowl type things not anything crazy like what you're doing but uh yeah she's trying to train it she's uh going for her master's in counseling and behavioral therapist and she's wanting to use that dog for like a counseling dog so like this the stuff that i've learned through dog handling doesn't really apply that well to it like the basics you know heel stay sit you know that type of thing works for it but like the biting of the hands and stuff like that i'm like honestly i don't know how to correct that without you know because you have to handlers with so many like you know kid gloves because she's gonna be with kids and stuff like that that are putting their hands in her mouth and you know pulling on her ears and stuff like that and i was like i don't want to i don't want to try to help you and like come down on her because I don't, you know, like I don't want to raise my voice around that dog or anything like that. Because she's gonna to have to deal with kids that are, you know, sometimes having breakdowns and stuff like that. And I was like, I just don't know how to go about helping you with that. Yeah. Yeah, they're dogs are tricky for sure. It's uh, you know, and a lot of stuff too is you know they'll grow out of a lot of things too. You don't, you know, you'll spend time with a dog and like crap. I hope that they don't do this forever and then you know one day you just don't ever see that behavior again a lot of it's you know they're like babies you know they're like you know they grow up and they go through stages where they you know they do some pretty you know not so nice things and eventually they grow out of it so it's really hard to say in situations like that without being able to kind of see it and what's going on yeah true well and it's funny i was talking to her the other night and uh all three of the kids were acting crazy and just, you know, having a hard time winding down. And she was like, well, Delta was pretty good today. And I was like, well, I'm glad that our youngest baby is, <laughs> you know, the most calm one today. Yeah. 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 The only one with yeah. a logical excuse. Yeah. Man, dogs are just so funny, too, because they, I mean, they, they all have different personalities. And they do have days where they just have bad days. And, you know, I've got a young male right now who's, I mean, his sire is notorious for throwing dogs that mature slowly, but they, when they mature out, they're great. They're kind of like wine, you know, they get better as they age. And, uh, you know, we have days where, man, you know, we'll run, uh, you know, we'll be running memories, you know, we'll go from land, water, land, water, land, water. And you know, that's a big combination for a, for a, you know, a 14 month old dog. Then we have days where we can come out in the backyard and we can't even pick up a double at 30 yards apart. So, you know, they have their days where they just, you know, they have off days just like we do. And uh, and that's been one of the hardest parts for me to understand as a trainer is that these dogs are not machines. You know, they are different. Each of them are different. And they, and, you know, and they, you know, they have days where they just don't perform well. And you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, and it's. I think that's one of the mistakes that a lot of people make trying to train their own dogs is mm-hmm. they want them to, you know, do it until they get it right. And, yeah. and that was even yeah. one of the things when she was starting to, you know, work with her dog because I had her work with, you know, our dog primarily because it's going to be her dog, you know, it's her sidekick. And I was like, right. here's some ideas that I know work. And, you know, sometimes she would be like, I want her to get this through. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, she's done it once or twice. Like, don't make her, you know, the point of frustration. Like, we have to keep yeah. that in mind. She's still a puppy and you don't want to, you know, 
make it not a game anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and a lot of people don't think about this. If you go do, uh, so what I do, uh, puppy work, I've got a puppy right now, and we've got, I've got another litter due actually on Saturday, maybe before then, but I've got a puppy right now, she's about four months, it's the one that I brought over from Hungary, and um, uh, I do food bowl, food bowl casting, um, it's just, it gives a dog something to do, it teaches them how to learn, um, it, it just propagates a lot of things for the future, but I do food bowl casting, and, and so if you, my pups eat twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, so you're getting two casts a day doing that so if you do that up until the point there's six months with food bowl um you know let's say you've got two months at 30 days a piece well that's 60 days all together and that's twice a day so you've got 120 casts by the time that dog is you know six months old and that's people don't think about that that's a lot explain you get a lot done explain you get cast. a lot done do what explain cast Oh, like cast, like hand signals, like uh, you know, the dog sitting in front of me, and then I'm gonna give them a left over or a or a right back or something like that. Nice, yeah. See, yeah. that's not something I thought about. What I had her do, yeah. and what I did with my uh, my old Brit was mm-hmm. I put them on a platform, you know, like yeah. the the uh, ottoman or something like that, and mm-hmm. I actually sat down on the ground and looked them face to face from like mm-hmm. the time they were eight weeks old. And I fed them a piece of food at a time for the yeah. longest time. So that way they were yeah. looking in my eyes. And I had her do that. And it's something that I uh, heard from another guy that does English training or uh, Brit yeah. training. And mm-hmm. it was like anytime we walk around, that dog is constantly looking at your face yeah. for direction. Yeah, the British style method is really big on, on those dogs, you know, giving you the eye, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're very big on that. Um, you know, it's not so. Uh, it, it 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 is good over here for gun dog situations, but if you step into the test world, you don't. You know, that's kind of something you not necessarily want to break, but you want to teach them to know the difference between you know keeping those eyes locked on you or looking out in the field for uh, you know holding blinds or anything like that. But the, the point I was trying to make with the casting, though, is, is you talked about earlier, was that you get so much repetition in without you even knowing it. If you just take your time to do those, just do a few reps here, do a few reps there and all that stuff adds up. And, you know, the first six months of a dog's life, you know, they learn so much and it's stay. And you'd be surprised how much that they learn and what they do learn stays with them for a very long time. Well, they're, you know, they're like little kids. They're freaking absorbing everything, man. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, man, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a fun topic, and I've had you know James on here before. He's uh, one of our retriever guys. I need to get you guys like on an alternating schedule and do like one of these every two weeks with you guys switching out and just talking dogs, talking tips, yeah. different things with dogs. Because I know that's a big, big passion of yours. Yeah, absolutely. That that's that's a lot of fun, and you know we really only scratched the surface with. Uh, a lot of this, you know, the British style training and the and the and the imported line dogs, you know, that's a it's a hot topic. Uh, you know, I, I kind of get down in the trenches with it, and it's very very complicated. And it's a, and it's a touchy subject for a lot of guys. You know, I've never seen, uh, you know, so many grown men get so upset over, uh, you know, how to train a dog. Uh, but it, it it's kind of funny. Um, but but yeah, man, it's uh, you know these these imported dogs are fun. They uh, it's it's just a different style, and and 
they bring a lot to the table, uh, a lot more than I think you know most people think they do, uh, especially in the test world. Especially in the test world. <laughs> I heard uh, Jeff Stanfield. He runs the Big Honker podcast, and he said you can insult a man's uh, wife, but if you insult his dog, you're probably going to start a fight. Oh man, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You better not say that. <laughs> you know that dog's not worth anything. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a big thing. You know, it's a big insult. You know, uh, especially the guys that work with their own dogs. You know, that's the that's a personal thing. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time invested. <laughs> well man i uh yeah i definitely intended on us to get more into the dog stuff and then we uh i looked down at the timer i was like dude it's been 45 minutes we haven't really touched dogs yet so we'll definitely have to uh dig deeper on the next one for sure on it yeah yeah absolutely yeah you know it's kind of like i said to just fly by the seat of your pants that's about all you can do especially in 2020 it seems like so uh <laughs> hey we're just we'll just let it be organic and let it go that's right, man. That's the great thing about it is there's so many deep, you know, conversations with, you know, just dog stuff alone. That That's a, that's a ton of content, man. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah, it'd be nice to have, uh, you know, some contrasting opinions on, uh, you know, on training. And uh, I know that, uh, I'm trying to think is Bob Owens, I think, does a long podcast. You know, he's a big uh, American-style trainer. But I think Bart uh, Ramsey with Southern Oak has been on there. A time or two talking so it'd be good to have those uh i mean i know those dog podcasts are out there but you know it'd still be good to have that here in the duck world and to you know talk about that some more and maybe pull some people over to the dark side or 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 the other side whichever one you want to say so (laughs) maybe have some people switch switch teams uh but no it's all in good fun man (laughs) well i appreciate it brother and uh like I said, I'll, I'll hit you up, and we'll get another one of these things scheduled, and I, I hope you have a great night. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, Chris. All right, buddy. You take care of yourself. All right, man. Y'all have a good night. All right. Bye. All right, guys. Colton Thompson. Hope you liked it. Share it. Enjoy it. Check out the, uh, the contest. We're going to launch the sign-ups tomorrow, so today when you hear this sucker, I guess. And uh, we'll announce the first head-to-head matchup on Monday. So make sure you get on there now. And if you want to participate, yeah, it's not going to be open very long from now. So check it out. Share this thing. Like it. Do all that normal social media stuff. Have a good one.